Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. Here in week seven, we had two games since this last episode of this podcast. A short week last week threw everything off. The Giants played on a Thursday night against the Patriots, lost that game, 35-21, uh, 35-14, lost by 21 points. Also dropped the previous week game, were dominated by the Minnesota Vikings. So now we sit here at two and four and we're analyzing Daniel Jones over and over again. And let's be honest, he hasn't played with the weapons a lot lately. He hasn't had Saquon Barkley. He had Saquon Barkley for just two quarters so far. Two quarters. Four starts. Right? Had Saquon for two quarters. Not even the full two quarters. He got injured in the second quarter of that first start. Uh, Evan Ingram, he didn't have this past week. Sterling Shepard's been out. So really limited arsenal at Daniel Jones's disposal, but at the same time, it's been a little bit up and down. The The turnovers are the one thing I think he needs to improve. That's the one thing that sticks out to me. If you've, if you've read my stuff, you've seen I went over all six interceptions, and look, they're not all his fault. Some of them weren't his fault, but he's got six interceptions, two fumbles in those four starts, and, then, and another fumble in that opener when he, only, when he only played a few snaps against the Dallas Cowboys. So nine turnovers already this year. Lit a few too many. Going to have to cut that down. I know he's a rookie, and that's part of the reason. He's going through his learning curve, right? That's part of why you wanted we wanted him in. We wanted to see Daniel Jones get that experience so he can get this out of his system. Expunge the turnovers. Get rid of them so that they will not happen when the Giants are playing meaningful games, hopefully next year, maybe in two years, whatever it is. But that was the whole point of making the change from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. And that's what we're going to get into here. Right? We're going to go, we'll start with Daniel Jones in a second. We're going to go for a little rookie review because we're through six weeks of the season. We kind of have an idea now of what these rookies are. Okay? Whether it's from training camp to the preseason to the first six games of the regular season, we now have a, a sample size. A sample size that I can sit here and digest, that I've at least seen enough to know, okay, this guy has a chance to be a real player. This guy right here, eh, might might not happen. We might have to recalibrate the expectations. So, we start with the number six overall pick in the draft. That would be Senior Daniel Jones. I say senior because I'm sitting in here in the studio with the ESPN Deportes uh, mic flag on, and it's uh, really the ESPN Deportes studio, I guess. But anyway, number six overall pick, Daniel Jones. There's been some ups and downs, but I think what you have to feel right now, through four starts, six games into the season, it, it's not as as great as you did after that first start, right? He comes in. Daniel Jones comes in. Lights a fire. Just brings such different elements of his game than Eli Manning did. Leads him back in an improbable manner with no Saquon Barkley against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're through the roof. Holy cow. This guy looks like he's going to be a superstar. Okay. You don't want to get too excited, though, because it's a small sample size at that point. One regular season game. You get to the second. He plays pretty well again. They smash the Redskins, who stink. Really stink. What I, did I say it enough about the Redskins? They stink. They're really an awful team. 
better than the Dolphins, who the Giants will play later this year, but they stink. But Daniel Jones played pretty well in that game. Again, you feel confident. You're feeling really good about him. Last two weeks, minimal weapons, faces good, really good defenses. A little bit of a dose of reality, right? A little shot of reality for Daniel Jones. Say, okay, maybe you're just not going to come in and light it up right away. You're not going to tear the league apart. He's now got five intercept, uh, five touchdowns, passes, six interceptions. He's not going to go and put up ridiculous numbers this year. He's not going to go single-handedly lead them to victories over the the Patriots, which I don't think any of us did. Giants did pretty well in that game, by the way. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and review that game a week later, but you know their defense really held their own in that game. The offense was the one that really struggled, but against, granted, a great defense, the best defense in the league. Receivers couldn't get open. But Daniel Jones made his share of mistakes. The one that stuck out to me when I reviewed the interceptions, and he threw three of them in that game. The one that really stood out to me, and you're like, okay, can't have that. That was a bad one. That was dumb. Was his second one. Held the ball for about, se- I think it was seven seconds. It was over seven seconds. I, I looked it up in uh, the next-gen stats. It was seven seconds. Okay? Can't do that. Not at the NFL level. Not at any level, really. And then try and throw it with the guy in his face, get his arm hit, and an interception. And I know some people are like, we're upset. Oh, he was a deflection. He had seven seconds. Two receivers, both going deep. If it's not there early, you got to throw that away. He didn't throw it away. Mistake. Mental mistake. Again, that's what this is all about. Now we're going to find out if he can improve on it. But what I think and I feel about Daniel Jones right now is that the Giants have a a quarterback to build around. Is he a slam dunk, Hall of Famer, Pro Bowler, All-Pro? No. Does he have a chance to be a really good quarterback, an All-Pro? I don't know about All-Pro. Who knows about that? Maybe a Pro Bowler? I feel decent that there's a chance, there's a, there's a decent chance of that, that he can grow into that kind of player. I think his floor has raised. I think that's what we've seen from him so far. He's not afraid to throw it downfield. His air yard, air yards per target is something in the, I think it's 8.05. A healthy number. You know, it means he's willing to throw the ball down the field. And you like that about him. The moxie. He's got that moxie. And then nothing seems to affect him. The interceptions, he doesn't look phased by the interceptions. Now he struggled under pressure. And we'll have to see how this works going forward. But you would almost expect that during his rookie season. So I have a lot of optimism for Daniel Jones. Do I feel better about the Daniel Jones pick today than I did when he was drafted? Yes, I do. Then you're going to sit there, and and I, we went over this before. I'm not one of those that was so down on the pick that I didn't think he had any chance to play or be successful in this league. Didn't think that. I wasn't sure if he was a player that was going to be able to put other guys on his shoulders and carry a team, which you need from your quarterback at times. And that was the problem with Eli these past few years. He was past the point where he was able to do that. 
Now, do I know yet that Daniel Jones is that guy that he can do that to the level that Eli did in the prime of his career where he won Super Bowls? No, we still don't know that about Daniel Jones. But what I do know and what I do feel confident about is that he's going to be a player in this league and his floor is higher than what we thought. My floor for him coming into the season was probably average quarterback. Right? Okay. Alex, I, I thought he could be anywhere from average quarterback to Alex Smith. Now, maybe I've raised that a little bit. Now I think he's going to be good quarterback to Eli Manning. So, the, you know, Alex Smith was probably a little above good quarterback. You know, nah, Alex Smith probably is a good quarterback. I think that's a realistic expectation for him now with, with potential for more. So we'll see. So you feel good about the Giants' top pick. The second pick, uh, Dexter Lawrence. What do you go? 16th overall? 17th overall? 17th. Okay. So, Dexter Lawrence. Again, came in. Some questions. He had questions about his pass rush. And for good reason. He wasn't a huge pass rusher at Clemson. They didn't use him as a pass rusher. Was he just a guy who was going to come in and be a run stuffer? And he's been really good at that so far this year. Now, I've seen stats about Dexter Lawrence, who, who by the way, Looks good so far. He is kind of what the Giants were hoping he was going to be. And that was as, and he's ranked, he has the highest ranking of any defensive player, rookie, according to Pro Football Focus. Okay, I'm going to pull it up here in a second. It's not coming up at the moment. Uh, Here we go. He is eighth overall among all interior defenders. 87.2 grade. But where, and like, he's been a solid pass rusher. He's gotten push. 68.8 on the pass rush grade, but his pro football focus run defense grade is where he really excels. 84.7. So, and what you see is essentially he's Damon Harrison, probably not as good a run stuffer, especially at this point of his career, but with more pass rush skill. Or at least the ability to push the pocket. And that gives you optimism. I mean, you you look like the Giants look like they have a solid player so far with Dexter Lawrence. And I think they do. I really do. I think that they have a guy there that they're going to have in the middle of their defensive line for a long time. So it looks like they hit on that. Now, is he going to be a star? Is he going to be an all-pro, a pro bowler? I don't know about that. Maybe he could be a pro bowler. I, I I don't see him being a perennial all pro because he's still, he's not that big pass rusher. Just not. Next up is DeAndre Baker. Now we saw, we're talking rookie cornerback. Realistically for rookie cornerbacks, you have to expect them to struggle. It's a tough transition. Most of them do. Now Baker had his struggles earlier. It looks like he's turned it around a little bit and played better of late. But Pro Football Focus actually has him 109th out of 109 cornerbacks. I was kind of surprised by that because he has played better lately. 109 out of 109? Really? Wow. That's not very good. Now, I had my concerns about Baker coming in. I still do. I was told I heard things about his work ethic, uh, about the way he trained. For the draft, um, 
just his whole attitude in general. And he struggled a bit. So I think the jury's still out on him. I have, You have to have concerns about DeAndre Baker. Now, has he played better lately? This is where the optimism comes in. I Yes, he has. You're hoping that he's starting to pick it up a little by little, more by more. Learns to become more of a professional. So he has a chance to become a, a decent player. Right now, he's not at that level. I think of the first, of the three first round picks, obviously he was the lowest. He was that they traded back up 31st pick to get DeAndre Baker. He has still the most question marks. So DeAndre Baker, not feeling great about, feeling really good about the first two picks though, so far. Jones, pretty good. Dexter Lawrence, really good. DeAndre Baker, eh. Next up, O'Shane Zimenez, third rounder, has two sacks, has played a much bigger role than you would like. I like the way he bends around the edge. I think he could be a pass rush specialist kind of guy as a third rounder. So, hey, not bad. As a third round pick, if you could get a pass rush specialist, I think you feel pretty good about O'Shane Zimenez in that regard. Uh, next up, Julian Love, fourth round pick. This is the one, and a lot of people ask me about it. Why isn't Julian Love playing? Why is this, this, that, that, that? We'll get to that in a little bit, but, uh, he has not played really. Played one snap, I believe it was, on defense, and it was a, a nothing snap. So a, a very little. I actually think he played more than that. But anyway, he has not been a contributor on defense. The Giants don't trust him uh, to be a contributor on defense at this point. They played him at safety, and that's because really his speed. You can't – he – you saw it at the summer and spring. He's going to have trouble guarding NFL players. One-on-one. Now, maybe he could become a slot guy, but there's definitely some concerns with Julian Love of what you're going to be able to get out of him. I mean, he's a safe, a free safety, but more than likely a nickel kind of guy. So I think if you get a nickel corner out of that, that's what he is. He's one, yeah, he does have one defensive snap. So the Giants don't trust to put him on the field. Jury's out. He's the one guy I wouldn't be so confident that they have a real player in. Next, Ryan Connolly, inside linebacker. Flash before he tore his knee. Now he has a torn knee, and we have to wait and see how he comes back. Now, I thought he did really well, but I think we also have to put this in perspective because as I was looking at the PFF grades, his wasn't so great. Were we just... Desperately dying to find a middle linebacker who could at least be sufficient. And that's what he was. He had a couple of interceptions bounce into his hands generously. So, I mean, his overall grade for pro football focus is 56.9. And his run defense in particular, 34.8 grade, which is really bad. So, I don't know. Maybe we were overestimating what Ryan Connolly did a little bit because they were so desperate for inside linebackers. But as a fifth-round pick, you say, okay, he has a chance to be a starting player in this league, which is pretty darn good. So you had to like what you saw from Ryan Connolly. Instincts, instincts, instincts is what the Giants said about him, and it showed up on the field, and it showed up in games. So I think you could take a a positive spin out of that and say, as a fifth-round pick, looks like a pretty decent pick. Might be able to get a starting player out of it. Same with Darius Slayton. Has done well. Has done very well so far. Now he struggled with a hamstring injury. 
but he's turned it. He's come back. Missed, I believe, the first game of the year. Maybe the second, first two, whatever it was. Since he's come back, he's been pretty good. Yeah, I think he came back in week three, three or four. Uh, week three, I mean, that's when he caught that pass that Daniel Jones threw across his body. But Darius Slayton, shown an ability to get down the field. Do I think he's going to be an, a Pro Bowl receiver? Doubt it. Don't see that. Do uh, he? Can I see him being a number two slash three? Yeah. I think he's shown enough where you can think that this guy can be a two slash three receiver. Make some big, big plays downfield. That's his, that's his number one ability. Not everybody can do that. And he's done that pretty well. And you know what? He's caught the ball pretty well, which is what I thought was going to be a huge problem because it was a problem for him in college. His first practice, he couldn't catch anything like really bad. Dropped like five, six balls. And you know what? He's cleaned that up. So you got to feel good about Darius Slayton. Next is Corey Ballantyne, sixth round pick. Obviously, which we know this, we've heard the story about him getting shot uh, in the butt. His friend was murdered. That set him back at first, but he came back and had a really strong training camp. Now we see in the regular season he's not playing a lick. Also, I believe one defensive snap, returning some kicks. The Giants don't think he's ready, but he does have potential, and. He's a guy that looks like he could be a cornerback in this league. He showed flashes throughout this summer. I still hold out hope for Corey Ballantyne that he could be a guy who plays on the outside. I don't see him playing in the slot. But he's a guy who could play on the outside, be physical, has excellent speed, and can be a player. And to think that from your sixth-round pick that he could eventually turn into a starting cornerback, that's pretty good. Like, I'm not so sure. What, what would happen if... DeAndre Baker and Corey Ballantyne were both undrafted free agents. Would DeAndre Baker be getting every snap, even when he struggled? I'm not so sure about that. So it's been a little surprising that Ballantyne's been stuck on the bench. The other two picks we haven't seen really at all. Uh, George Asafo Ajay, Big George, he was placed on IR. He was injured. He got a concussion in training camp, and we really didn't see him ever. So I don't really have an opinion on him. He's really a developmental project guy right now. Chris Slayton as well. Saw him throughout the summer, run stuffer, but now he's on the practice squad hanging around. Hasn't really gotten his opportunity yet. Maybe he could be a rotational guy on the defense. That's probably what they were looking for anyway. Uh, but nothing outrageous stands out one way or another with him. And that's the rookie rundown. Now we're going to learn a little bit about the guy we all want to know about. As much as humanly possible, Daniel Jones. On to the next one. Let's welcome in one of my favorite guests, Diana Rossini, who last time she was on the show told us all the Giants were not going to draft Dwayne Haskins. So no pressure, Diana. You just have to, you have to, you have to bring the heat just like that this time. You got it? First of all, that podcast <laughs> that we did together took off. I mean, I went on there sharing information that I don't know. I kind of just thought at that point, we all knew that, yeah, they liked Dwayne Haskins. They didn't love Dwayne Haskins. And it just, it was everywhere. And I, I kind of was hesitant to coming on here because I didn't realize <laughs> that your audience is so large. Oh, I try, stop trying to butter me up like this. Uh, so it's not going to work. It's not, it, it's definitely not going to work. I, I'm still going to, I'm still going to bring the heat and make a joke about you, you know, just moving out from home. It's not going to change. Promise. 
I hate that. I, the worst thing I ever did was like reveal <laughs> anything about myself outside work because now you just use it all against me. But yeah, I'm very excited. I moved out of my parents' house. I have my own place. I'm a grown woman now. Uh, a grown woman doing some grown women reporting too. So, you know, you know how it. like you know how like people feel like oh, I feel like a you know a proud father in this place. I feel like a proud brother. I don't I'm like I'm not old enough to you know be a proud father here, but I feel like a a proud brother for you here. So let's 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 get into the business here, right? We want to know. You went down to Duke recently. You talked to David Cutcliffe. You talked to Ruthie Jones, sister of Daniel Jones. You did some research, some digging. What did you find out about Daniel Jones that you did not know before? Well, I went into these interviews talking to people close to him, obviously, including Coach Cutcliffe, with the idea that Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. I didn't know how tough he is. I didn't know how competitive he is. Um, Just having Coach explain to me how many injuries he played through. He played in a game once with broken ribs. He played in a game with... um, sprained fingers and nobody ever knew he hit a lot of his injuries because he didn't want to not play uh you know coach was saying if i were you i would just challenge him in any game of any sort and i will bet you no matter how great of an athlete you think you are uh he's gonna beat you that's just the kind of guy he is and he told some great stories about how even his freshman year when he was a red shirt freshman uh at duke he was running scout team, and he was the best scout team quarterback he had ever seen. It the future. Defensive coordinator nut. They called him the future. That was his nickname. Yeah. They, they knew he was the guy. The future and swag. Those were the two names I learned about him. Yeah, swag was the, was the high school one, right? Uh, at Duke, too. At Duke, too. They, 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 they it carried over? Yeah. Okay. It did. Swag to me, I think, is a little overused. I don't think it really fits him. I mean, <laughs> they, they, they know him better, but um, obviously the nickname thing is a whole other topic of conversation. But, yeah, so my, my takeaway, Jordan, was really there is way more to peel back on Daniel Jones than what meets the eye. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised to hear that because I, I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard about playing with broken ribs in the finger. Maybe just the magic healer like Saquon, you know I mean? I I guess I guess they have a their their backfield is just filled with filled with magic healers. Uh, apparently, uh, the Giants staff too knows no, no how to take care of stuff. The training department deserves an A plus, but that training room at least. Um, I, you know, here's another part of of what Cutcliffe was explaining to me, um, especially during the whole draft process um, when his name popped up, and then eventually when he was drafted and booed. He, you know, coach was explaining to me that. He didn't really think that Daniel would have a hard time dealing with booze because that's just, he's just a kind of guy that doesn't care, good or bad. He doesn't buy into anything. He's so focused on what he needs to get done, which, you know, sometimes I argue that because he's still a human being, right? And yeah. We all are going to listen to criticism. So I don't always buy that. And when I push back on that with coach of like, come on, it had to crush him. He it, said, Donovan, yeah, Donovan McNabb said, held that for his entire career. Remember, I mean, how many he used to yeah. bring that up? He used to bring that up all the time by the people of Philadelphia booed him because they didn't draft Ricky Williams. And what he was saying though, once Daniel realized that it was going to help him get better because he was going to get used to it quickly, what New York is like, that you could just laugh at it 
that's when he was able to wrap his head around it and go, all right, well, now all I got to do is just prove him wrong. Uh, and, and, and that's the confidence he's had in himself. Uh, but I still think it's tremendous how he's handled himself. And, and we, and Cutcliffe talked to me about how that's just a, that's just who he is. He's, he's a little Eli. Yeah. The Giants knew that. Like that's, that's one of the things they brought up right away, right? Because they said, he has that personality and the ability to handle New York and not, you know, maybe not everybody did have that. And, you know, like even Eli, he won two Super Bowls and several years later, he's on the back of the New York Post wearing a dunce cap. Like that's not, that's not easy for everybody to handle, right? And in order to be the quarterback, Daniel Jones had to handle that. And what do you, what do you know about how he was raised and the upbringing and, and how that plays into it. And, and what, I mean, cause I heard that's a super, super athletic family, as you mentioned before. Yeah, that, that seems to be, they're one of those families that uh, everyone is playing every sport. Everyone is getting out there participating. There's no missing practice. There's no, uh, I don't want to play this game anymore type uh, environment or culture. And that's, I think we, I mean, if you played a sport growing up, everybody had those people in town that would just quit. Uh, and then everyone yeah. had those people in town that, you know, played everything. And, and it sounds like the Jones family was, was just that. And I was able to talk to Jay Billis as well, who coached Daniel in AAU basketball. And he told this just great story about training camp, uh, excuse me, about a, a summer camp, um, that he had. And, and Daniel showed up and he, had a, a a broken finger or a broken wrist. Something was broken on his left hand, on his right hand, actually, in his throwing hand. And he thought that the Jones family showed up with Daniel to just, you know, support the camp and be there. And Daniel shows up and goes, no, I'm playing. Uh, he just played with his left hand the whole time. And he still was the best player in camp. So I think this is a type of family that doesn't make excuses. They're not babying anybody. They, they have a really tough mentality approaching things on top of the fact that they're competitive. So that sort of winning spirit and re- relentlessness, I think, started really early, which is part of what's going to probably make up uh, a quarterback that, that can handle what we've already seen him handle pretty well. What do you think his, what do you think his basketball game was like? What do you, what, who I can see him being real quick. I don't know. I mean, he's tall, right? He's got the height. He's lanky as heck. Um, he's got those long arms. I, I mean, I bet you he was a real good strong forward. That's yeah, I'm, 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 think, I'm thinking like, remember, remember Chris Humphreys, the one who married uh, Kim Kardashian for like a minute. Oh yeah, probably uh, him. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like that's kind of his game, like big, strong, uh, you know, like bulky kind of forward guy. I don't know. His brother. Cockland said to me, he's like, you should try to play him one-on-one in basketball. I think he'd be pretty blown away. I was like, I don't think the Giants are going to really want me doing that. <laughs> Maybe in the offseason that would work. His brother plays at Davidson. I know that. I actually looked up videos. His, his brother's a, a sharpshooter from the outside, like a big man, a big man shooter. So I, I don't know. Maybe Daniel Jones and is a three-point shooter. Who knows? His sister's, his sister's the goalie at Duke. You know, they've got a really strong program. I talked to the team there. Um, by the way, her personality is, she's just like the female version of Danielle. She was really uh, humble and... Reserved? And I was about to say, what did you reserved. learn from her? What did you, what did you learn from Ruthie? It's almost like they all had media training, I swear. <laughs> uh, her teammates were so excited that... Maybe they did. Um, ESPN was there. Um, you know, I, so 
uh, let me paint a quick picture. So I was interviewing Coach Cutcliffe uh, on this indoor facility at Duke or on this field. And uh, on the other side of the field, the women's soccer team was just warming up. And, you know, they, they obviously had practice indoors that day and they were doing some drills. And, and I just mentioned to Coach, I was like, gosh, you know, sitting here working for ESPN, interviewing you, loving this opportunity, but I'd do anything to go hop back out and play uh, Division One soccer. I just, it, it just kills me. But, so go tell them that. So I wound up going over there, and I had an opportunity. Their head coach let me talk to the team about just life and, and you know, basically just how I wish I could play again, um, hoping that maybe something I could share with them could make them, you know, perhaps maybe a little bit more motivated to enjoy the journey. You're a celebrity. Uh, you got you to gotta, you gotta own that. You got to own that. This is your status now. You're on, like, uh, you know, the uh, Levitard show. You're all over TV. You're a celebrity. It's celebrity status now. You, you're doing, you're doing, you're doing, you're doing ads for uh, Atlantic City. Come on, this is this is celebrity life. I do ads for Atlantic City because I'm there so much. So like, we might as well just have you in our commercials. We, look, no, That's don't be, you don't you don't have to make excuses for being a celebrity. It's fine. It's all right. I, I promise. I like think that my experience as a Division One athlete has helped me grow into <laughs> journalistic hum, humble, and humblest, humbleness is overrated. Don't worry about it. Okay. We were just talking about this before. Um, I don't think it is. I think humility is is an art, and and I enjoy when I speak to players, especially experiences I've already had with Daniel Jones, where I cannot believe how good he is at getting around some of the trap doors that (laughs) the media puts him in, including you and me. We've done it. I've tried to. I remember asking him about Baker Mayfield's comments about him. I said, you know, did you talk to him? He's like, oh, we texted. I said, do you think that Baker should have went number one? He had every opportunity to go, oh, you know, that's how it worked out. Right. No, he was just no. like, absolutely. Like, he, he didn't give me anything. So what, 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 what do you think it was like from talking to Ruthie playing sports around the house with that family? Well, I think it's like any competitive family. There's no um, – you're a girl, you're a boy type thing or excuse. I bet you, and I didn't ask her this, and I'm like, man, I wish I did. I bet you he would have her play football and would probably tackle her. Sharp, my house sharp was, elbows like, and no, basketball and stuff. Oh, those yeah. Guys. That, the, the secret sauce, by the way, for women in sports, it, if you interview most of them that have achieved at high levels, most of them have older brothers. Right. And older brothers that would play with them and beat them up. And that's yeah. usually why they became aggressive and good at their sports. So, young, younger sibling, um, younger, younger sibling syndrome. That's that's what that is right there. The youngest sibling gets oh, yeah. beat up and they're tough. They're the toughest and most aggressive. Absolutely. And, and I think that's probably why she's a good athlete. Um, and I asked him too, who was the better athlete? Because she told me that he was, she said that he's the best athlete in the family. And Daniel told me that that's not the truth, that he actually thinks Ruthie is. So yes, not only are I don't have nice, humility. They have humility. Oh, it's very annoying. <laughs> I really just, I wish he was like, I'm the best. Yeah, she's right. You know, he said, no, Ruthie's great. Like, if you were to ask my brother who the best athlete in the family is, he'd be like me. Meanwhile, like, he can't even walk to his car without being out of breath. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> Absolutely. So... You also got to, when you mentioned David Cutcliffe, you talked to him, right? He's also mm-hmm. very close to Eli. So what's that, what's that, what's that like from him? What, what was the impression you got in that regard? And what does he, what does he think is next for Eli, if anything? I, I felt 
first of all, he was very, he's obviously like very proud of everything that's happened here. Um, he doesn't have as much as a told you so vibe that um, other people within the Giants organizations, I feel like, Pat have Sherman. had. Uh, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he told some stories about Eli and Peyton, uh, you know, working out down there with Daniel Jones as well. And, you know, it seems like they were, it almost seems like Daniel Jones was like the other brother. I'm not kidding. Um, that as, he was like a father that kind of had to pick his favorite son. That's, that's, that's what it felt like when I was talking about all of them. Right. Um, you know, he kind of praised all three of them individually for, for their skill set and, you know, I couldn't really nail him on who was the best one of the three. But um, in terms of personality, it seemed that Daniel isn't as much like Eli as I thought um, in terms of. I get that vibe. Sort of keeping to himself. He's got more to him than Eli in terms of allowing people in and sharing and being a little bit more emotional. Um, and, and he's been. I asked him if he's ever gotten in a fight with Daniel Jones. And it's funny. Right. He said, yeah. He says, I, I have. Uh, we've gotten into it before. We've yelled at each other. Ooh, I would like to see um, that. I want, I, want to, I want to see that fire. I want, to, I want to peek into that fire from Daniel Jones, you know? Don't you want to see that? I, I, think, they're, I think it's there. I think it's there. I just don't think he's just do it to you until, unless you ask him an annoying question one day. I, <laughs> I don't think he's going to reveal that. But I bet you as this season goes on and we talk to more players about what he's like in the huddle and what he's like in the locker room, we'll probably see him more... We'll probably see a quarterback with a lot more edge than we expected. Just, I, I think we're all being a little hypnotized by that kind face that he has. Yeah, uh, there seems to be more there from from what I can gather. And Year two or three, you think he'll blossom? Absolutely, absolutely. Like Daniel Jones in year three. Can you like? I can't wait to see what this is going to be. I'm here for I mean, it. I'm here for it. Uh, so am I, and I'm also here for for being one to admit that I didn't understand what they were doing. All right, so how about this? This is another thing I, I uncovered while I was in, at Duke. Okay. I asked Coach how many head coaches called him. How many coaches called Cutcliffe to ask about Daniel Jones? And he just laughed. And I said, what does that mean? He goes, because I bet you think in the draft process, every head coach would call. Yeah, I, thought, I thought you were going to say like 32, basically. No! One! What? Well, two, including Pat Shermer. Two. Well, Shermer went the down there. They went They went and hung out with Gettleman and yeah. uh, and Shermer went and had a meeting, and they sat down with, with, with Cutcliffe to kind of pick his brain when they went down there yeah. for that workout. Yeah. Guess but really, two? You kind of want – don't you wonder sometimes what these NFL teams are doing? It's like you're a billion-dollar business, and you really they operate the way they – like that seems like the most simple thing. Like Penn you State call David Cutcliffe, you call his college coach. Frank Franklin told me the same thing about Saquon. He said, "Guess what Franklin told me though? How many people called him? None. Zero. They knew he was so good or right. but still, this is so that's so silly. You would think Bill just Bill, just to Bill, do your due Bill diligence. Bill Belichick calls. So wait, the two people that called basically were the Giants and the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill Belichick's not stupid. Of course, he's going to call." He's the head of the game. Well, I, he, I mean, I, I, you I feel like it's so basic, though. What the heck? Why do you think they don't call? It's arrogance. I, yeah, I don't even get it. I'm, I'm, I'm like without words here. Two? Two? Jeez. Unbelievable. That really is staggering. And the Reds 
Redskins who were interested, right, early on there, uh-huh. or at least like before the start of the draft, they didn't even call. Doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. It really does. Well, when I when I asked Cutcliffe why not, besides the whole arrogance element, he said, you know, a lot of them just rely on their own research and information. I'm like, but why not ask somebody who's been been around the player? I said, do you, I asked him, I said, do you think it's because they're worried you're trying to sell your program through the player, that you're not going to be a realist, right. you're not going to be honest? And he goes, do you think at my point in my career, with the gifts I've been giving in, in terms of the, the players I've coached, that I still need to trot out guys that I can say I coached? Don't you think that I've, I've already lived the life of Peyton and Eli where, yeah, I did a good job coaching them. They went off and were successful. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm comfortable in my coaching ability to say whether or not a guy is ready to go or not. I don't need my name attached yeah. to it anymore. David you know, Cutcliffe's not at the point, end, not at the that. end of his career looking for, you know, to move up to the next job. It's just not, no, it's not where he's at. No, no. But these teams, it doesn't, I mean, seriously, don't, you just want to get as much information as possible. Then you could decipher what you want to make of it, whether the guy's selling him or not. But just to not get the information is just staggering. I mean, I'm he sitting here scratching too. my he head. He actually brought that, no, he brought the same point up. He said, why not just talk to me and figure it out? And if you think I'm BSing you, all right, you move on. You've talked to a lot of people that are right. probably BSing you during the draft process. Of course. Jeez. All right. Well, let's finish up here. I want to know what you think. The Giants technically are one game out of the NFC East lead. The Eagles and Cowboys tied for first. They play this week. Give me your opinion on the state of the NFC East and who do you like? I I, I really doubt you're going to pick the Giants here, but uh, just – who do you think is going to end up winning this division? I just think the fact that it's we're this far into the season already and it's wide open at this point. I feel like anybody can really climb up. I do think the Eagles are going to be the one that can secure it, even though they're going through a little thing right now. Um, I think at the end of the best built team, top to bottom, uh, mm-hmm. Washington likes to think that they're about to go on a run here with their run <laughs> game, literally. Um I think Daniel Jones gives them a good a good shot to stay alive. I, I still think they're going to end up better with him under center than if we were having the same conversation with Eli here. Um, but I, I think in the end, they're going to wind up being in third place. I think it'll go, we'll finish this up. It'll go Eagles, Cowboys, uh, Giants, Skins. I would probably agree with that. I mean, this is going to be a big game, though. This game happens to be in Dallas, which which is which is a little troubling for the Eagles. But uh, I do like the Eagles best. But it, but it all starts with this, right? Which team has the best quarterback in the division? The, yeah. So that's the team that I'm going to trust the most, and I think that's why, for the majority of the people, that's that's why they're going to be the, the the pick of the team that wins the division. And, and until you know Daniel Jones or Dak Prescott take their game to the next level. They're going to be that team that everybody everybody likes, I think. And that's kind of the way it's going to be. But what week do they play the Jets? Who? Do you know off the top of your head the Giants? Uh, I don't know the, the number on it, no. It's uh, somewhere like in, what, late November? Yeah. No, uh, mid, no like, mid-November. Week, uh, it is uh, November 10th. So this is week seven, eight, nine, ten. Week ten. 
or tenth or tenth game. Yeah, tenth game. So it's coming up. That'll be an interesting one because you know that I know they don't play in the same division, the Giants and Jets, but there are people at the top of the Giants organization that do not like the Jets. And if Sam Darnold comes in and outplays Daniel Jones, I know he's a rookie and everything, but it's just not going to sit well with certain people inside that organization. It's not. Pat Hamlin was rooting for the Jets the other night. Was he really? Well, he he won't be. They don't root for the Jets on a regular basis. They, they just were, don't. I don't know what that was about. I thought that was very. Um, well, they played the Cowboys. Played the Cowboys. Yeah, I see what you said. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, that makes a lot so. more sense. I forgot about that. I forgot about that important element. I was like, <laughs> well, look at that. I was like, look at the Giants being all in on New Yeah, York. yeah, they had to. Well, my favorite guest. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for yeah. your time, as always, and good luck with your blossoming career as a celebrity and your new place. Humility. Try it, Jordan. (laughs) Maybe next time. On to the next one. Yes, it's time now to do my favorite part of the show. It's the part where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. And as always, anything goes. Today we start with at Peter F31 from Twitter says, we haven't seen a full half of football with DJ and Saquon both on the field. What are your expectations for DJ with the threat of a real running game? Well, what I think we will be able to see more is the use of the play-action game, or at least the effectiveness of the play-action game. We haven't really been able to see that a lot, right? Uh, Daniel Jones going back, faking the handoff, getting wide-open receivers, specifically down the middle of the field, when he's pulling that linebacker in. That's because Saquon Barkley hasn't really played with him yet. So that is the one area where I think we're going to see Daniel Jones be able to hit some more big plays. And because Evan Ingram's coming back, maybe it might take a week or two before he's you know really feeling himself, but those big plays down the middle to Evan Ingram I think is something – that's going to be new. Not new, but we really haven't seen it, right? For a tight end with the explosiveness and speed of Evan Ingram, we haven't seen those big seam routes down the middle where he just hits big plays. I think we can get some of those. I really do. I think we're going to see more of those going forward. With him, his big plays have really been those crossing routes, those drags across the field where he just beats his guy and then turns it up the field and gets big plays. So that's where I think Saquon Barkley He's going to be able to help Daniel Jones the most. If the Giants, this is a question number two from at Devin, at, so Devin Ellis at New York NYG Devin says, if the Giants lose the next two games, should they become sellers before the deadline? Uh, yes, they should. Now, the question is, do they have anybody that can bring back reasonable assets? I'm not so sure about that. To, to be honest with you, I, I really just, I, I, I don't know. I really, I really don't see. I mean, Janaris Jenkins is the one everyone's looking at, right? But he costs 11.25 million, I believe, this year. He has whatever the proration of that is. And then next year as well. He has not played very well this year. Did we all not see what happened when he went up against Mike Evans? It didn't go well. So I'm wondering 
if he could even bring back a reasonable asset. Otherwise, the Giants don't have much where they're going to be able to trade and get back a decent asset. I mean, do you want him to trade Evan Ingram? I don't think they should trade Evan Ingram, even if they're selling. I don't think that's the move for this team. And aside from that, I mean, the other there's some other big contracts that aren't going to be able to be. Like, I don't see Golden Tate being able to be moved at this point. Think anybody wants to go there? And plus that that would they would have to eat dead money on that. So I don't I don't think that's the right move. So it's either Janaris Jenkins or Bust, and I'm not so sure he can get they can get the value for that. So uh yes, the answer is yes, I do think they should be in cell mode. But no, I probably don't think they'll be able to make a trade. Kay Huvain asks on Instagram, I understand that Julian Love and Corey Ballantyne are late round picks that have a lot to learn before they get significant playing time. But how long does it take, usually take players in that situation to get mentally ready to play? Now, with Corey Ballantyne, what we're talking about here is a guy who's jumping from Washburn to the NFL. And that is a big jump. I mean, he didn't look like it as big a jump as it was during the preseason and training camp when he played pretty well. But from what I heard, he's really they don't trust him to know what he's really doing at this point. And that's why he's sitting on the bench. The talent's there. The potential's there. But there's a big learning curve, and they don't really trust to have him out there for extended periods or even any period in an NFL game. And with Julian Love, let's be honest, he didn't look good this summer. He didn't look good in the preseason. His coverage ability definitely comes into question. I don't think... He's ready to get on the field because I don't think they think he can guard people. Flat out. That's it. So, in other words, you say, when should we, KU Vane's asked, when should we expect to see them start playing on defense? I don't think they're going to be playing anytime soon. Maybe towards the end of the season. Maybe if they have some injuries, they get forced to put them in a role. But I think if they have their druthers, you're really not going to see these guys much this year. Maybe the last couple weeks, if anything. At the Warrenos from Instagram asks, if you were starting a franchise tomorrow, would you rather have Jones and Barkley or Mayfield and Beckham? You were high in the Browns at the start of the season. Are you backing off that at all? That's a fair question, but I'm going to have to go with Mayfield and Beckham. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm being stubborn, but I know Baker struggled, but you have to remember he came in there his rookie year and set a rookie record for passing touchdowns. So that's pretty good. Daniel Jones is not going to set a rookie record for passing touchdowns. It's just not. Not going to have as good a rookie year as Baker Mayfield did. Uh, and I, I just think if I had a bet on a guy, and I know he struggled and everyone's jumping off the bandwagon, but it's year two, maybe he's just going through some growing pains. I think if I had a bet right now, based on the information that we have, which is going to be the better quarterback, I'm probably going to go with Baker Mayfield. And I like Daniel Jones. Don't get me wrong. But I also really like Baker Mayfield. I haven't been completely discouraged. And granted, I have not been impressed. He hasn't played well this year. His accuracy has kind of worried me, which I didn't see last year. So I'm going to hold out being too critical of that because I thought last year it was pretty good. Now, when you talk about Beckham and Barkley, I just think that Beckham plays a position where he's a more valuable re, uh, asset because he's a harder position to fill. Now, you're not going to find the Saquon Barkley, but you can find running backs that can fill certain roles and fill it sufficiently. I mean, look at the New England Patriots, for God's sakes. They win Super Bowls every year. 
with these guys that are just just guys. You know, each playing a different role. James White. Uh, Sony Michelle last year was their power back guy. I know they put a fairly high draft pick on him. But, yeah, I mean, now Rex Burkhead. I mean, these are the guys that they, they run with. Corey Dillon was their running back for a while. I mean, they've gone through guys. Shane Vereen. I just think it's an easier position to fill. So, to me, it makes Beckham a little bit more valuable because of positional value. Not because he's a better player, because of positional value. So, I'm going to still go with uh, Beckham Mayfield. But the fact that it's close is a good sign for the Giants because I do like the, the future, the potential of Jones, and obviously Saquon's a great player. So the fact that it's close is a win for the Giants at this point. Uh, Jonas Everett, my name is Jonas, question number five from Twitter, says, given the amount of money this team is going to have heading into the 2020 offseason, name one big player the Giants should go out and get on day one of free agency. All right, let's start out by with the saying this. we With the... Money, a lot of teams are going to have money. Money is going to be everywhere, and this is not going to be a great free agent class, especially in that pass rusher category, because I don't think Genevieve and Clowney is going to hit free agency. And, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks traded for him. They put a lot of resources into that. They're not going to just let him walk. So the guy I, I look at and say, okay, they need a pass rusher. Who are they going to put in? Yannick Ngakwe, young, fast, speedy, edge rusher, sacks the quarterbacks from the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's the guy that I would say the Giants should go after. Final question. Ali Oop Ben. Ben Lee says, realistic expectations for Sam Beal this season. Good question. Sam Beal. Remember him? Do you guys even remember Sam Beal? He was the guy the Giants once took last year as the third-round supplemental pick has yet to play a single snap. He is eligible now to come back as soon as... As week eight, I believe, against the Cowboys. Was it week eight? Yes, week eight against the Cowboys. His 21-day window started today. We're taping this on Wednesday. And cornerback, good size, speed, uh, good length and speed, I should say. He's not a real big guy. He's real kind of frail. But And that that's part of the problem. But Sam Beal is going to get back on the field probably this year if he could stay healthy. But I don't think you should have high, super high expectations for him. It's like it's his rookie year. He already missed half the year. He's been struggling now with injury to come back and be a really contribute. I think, look, you're just looking for him to get some experience, flash a little bit, but to think that Sam Beal's going to come in, be a starting cornerback and play really well, I think is unrealistic. If anything, he comes in, he's a, a spot player, gets in for a few handful of snaps each game, and if he's forced into extended action, you're going to see him getting picked on. So that's how I feel about Sam Beal, and that's it for this week's Giants after dark. On to the next one. Let's finish up here. I'll give you a little Jordan on the beat. We'll get into a prediction and then close. Uh, I'm going to give you, because the Giants played the Patriots last week and this story kind of came up. It just reminded me of, you know, some of the things you, you stumble upon while you cover the Giants or NFL teams in general is I have a buddy. Uh, he used to work for the Eagles or, or whatever. And he used to, or some, uh, Somebody I know used to work for the Eagles years ago. And they were at, I believe it was the Combine. Might have been the NFL meeting. One or the other. The the owner's meetings. One or the other. And anyway, so, and this is the Patriot, my Patriot story, just because it came up and it was a funny story. So I figured I'd relay it. Bill Belichick is working out in the gym. And this guy is standing behind him. And he's watching Bill Belichick work out. And he's on, like, the treadmill or whatever. And Bill Belichick is in the gym at this hotel in Indianapolis or whatever. 
And what do you think he's wearing? Well, of course, he's wearing the hoodie with the cut sleeves in the gym. Bill Belichick, of course he is. And he's squatting, right? And this was years ago. And so Bill Belichick's sitting there squatting in the gym with his hooded sweatshirt, cut sleeves, going down, grunting like a you-know-what. Bill Belichick. I told my friend, or uh, this guy I knew, he said, I said, you know, you really should have taken a video of that. I, I would I would pay to see that video of Bill Belichick sitting there in the gym grunting like crazy. I mean, could you imagine what Deadspin or any of those kind of sites would do for a video of Bill Belichick in the gym squatting, grunting, in a hooded sweatshirt, no less? Gotta love it. Gotta love that guy. I mean, that guy... Is just a, a, a gem. Before the game the other night, I was standing there, and you watch him, you see him come out, right? Walk out to midfield. It's chilly, by the way. It's probably 50 degrees and windy. He comes out, he's got the hooded sweatshirt on with the, again, the cut sleeves, and he's walking out to midfield, just checking out the conditions, and the guy just looks like a boss, man. I mean, he, it's just crazy. You see why they are who they are. Bill Belichick is is just ahead of everybody else. He he's just five steps ahead of everybody else. Not just one, not just two, five. Love that guy. Love it. I mean, just such a beast. Love it. Okay, that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Before I go, I'll give you my prediction for this week: Giants, Cardinals. Likely Saquon Barkley back, expecting him back. Evan Ingram, expecting him back as well. Sterling Shepard, not so sure about. We'll see about that. Uh, Wayne Gallman, also expecting him back. So a healthier Giants offense against uh Arizona Cardinals team led by Kyler Murray. So the top two quarterbacks will have a Kyler Murray slash Daniel Jones comparison rundown next week. Yes. You're excited. I'm excited. Let's go. Giants. 31, Cardinals, 30, shootout at MetLife Stadium. That's what I got for you. Patrick Peterson will not be enough to slow down the Giants offense with some of their weapons back playing with Daniel Jones. So every other week, you get some optimism for Daniel Jones and the Giants. And that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. You can always, as always, you can find us on any place you find your podcast and the ESPN app, of course. You can reach out to me, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email. You know how to reach me. Just search. You look it up. You can figure it out. I'm Jordan Ronan. This is Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.